Welcome to the 44th Street Podcast of the New York City Bar Association. In this episode, a conversation with David Snyder of the American Property Casualty Insurance Association. Richard Liskov of the City Bar's Insurance Law Committee speaks with the Vice President of the APCIA. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers and not necessarily of the City Bar. Here's Richard Liskov. Hello, welcome to this podcast with David Snyder, Vice President of the American Property Casualty Insurance Association, sponsored by the Insurance Law Committee of the New York City Bar Association. I'm Richard Liskov, Senior Counsel at Errant Fox and Lecturer at the School of Law of Boston University. Please note that none of my questions and none of my statements are intended to be or should be viewed as the position of Aaron Fox, the School of Law of Boston University, or any client of Aaron Fox. Dave, thank you very much for taking the time to join us on this podcast. Could you uh, say a little bit about yourself and what the mission of the APCIA is? Well, um, hello, um, Richard, and to all the listeners. It's a great honor to be able to participate in a New York City Bar program. I recall several years back when I was able to present at the um, headquarters there in New York City, and it was such a great opportunity to play even a small role in an organization um, as prestigious and as traditional leaders uh, as the New York City Bar. So I want to thank you and all the listeners in the New York City Bar for this opportunity. The American Property Casualty Insurance Association is a trade association representing the interests of about 1,200 property casualty insurers that range from tiny one state, one line insurance company to global insurers and reinsurers. While our principal role is to represent the interests of our companies, we and our companies recognize that our ultimate role is to serve our customers and society at large. Now, the comments that I'll be making today may or may not reflect the policies uh, of APCIA uh, and or our member companies, but my hope is to provide uh, valuable insights on the critical issues facing the property casualty insurance industry today and in the near future. Once again, thank you for this opportunity. The New York Bar is absolutely one of the most prestigious organizations in the legal community. Thank you, Dave, that's high praise. What do you see as the challenges to the PNC sector that our listeners may be interested in? Well, let me refer to at least four, and it really is a, a unique time, I think, in the history of the industry when so many challenges uh, are presented to us. But as we have in the past, we've prevailed and we've come out stronger in the long run. So let me run through each of these challenges very quickly, if I might. 
The first is the pandemic. I mentioned a minute ago how, what a pleasure it was an opportunity to participate in person. I hope everyone that is listening and their families and their communities have managed to stay safe in these difficult times. Of course, the greatest loss in the pandemic is the human tragedies that are all too uh, numerous. But it also provided unique opportunities um, and challenges, of course, for the insurance industry and our state regulators. And I believe that our regulatory system and our insurance industry are really emerging stronger and even more consumer focused than we were before the pandemic occurred. Of course, um, beyond the tragic loss of life and the disruption in everyone's lives came many, many business challenges of having to go remote uh, 100% almost overnight. And yet the industry was successful in doing that. Um, the most obvious example is the ease with which you can now settle claims. Uh, for example, in the old days that we're all familiar with, you had to go get three estimates, had to spend a lot of personal time. Now you can settle that claim purely remotely. And that's just an example of the types of operations that have uh, really um, intensified as a result of the remote um, business activities that are required by the pandemic. Likewise, our regulators have um, streamlined regulation and made it a more cost effective for everyone concerned. And the end result is I think our industry um, is gonna emerge from the pandemic every bit as strong, if not stronger than we were before. And of course, we're aware of litigation that's ongoing um, and uh, remains to be um, resolved. Um, the second um, major challenge um, and, and one which uh, has far ranging implications for us and for frankly for all corporate America is the challenge to do a better job in serving the entire society in an equitable way. We, uh, along with the rest of corporate America recognize we have a way to go to improve our diversity within our ranks and assure that we're providing the very best service to all of our customers and meeting their individual needs. And so the increasing um, desire to, to focus on social justice is something that the insurance industry shares with all corporate America and indeed the larger society. And that does offer some challenges and some changes we have to make. The third major challenge facing us today is climate risk. Uh, whether you talk about the recent uh, situation in Texas um, the increased amount of wildfires or flooding, um, we realize that the climate is changing. Um, it is imposing uh, greater costs and risks on our customers and on insurance companies. Um, our board, the APCIA board in December issued a set of strong principles that guide our engagement. And we think they reflect a good balance between the necessities of a private competitive insurance market, but also a market that's interesting, that's interested in addressing all of the risks short-term as well as long-term. And among our membership at APCIA are some of the world's leaders in among the insurance industry in addressing climate risk, 
others who are just starting on their journeys. But we recognize that this is an risk that needs to be managed and mitigated. Finally, the challenges offered by technology. Insurance companies realize that their customers are expecting uh, a different kind and more rapid service that technology allows. And so from a business standpoint, um, our industry is looking at how to best apply technology to better serve customers with new products um, and with overall more rapid and effective service. But along with uh, the information technology comes new challenges for protecting uh, data and privacy regulations, which are increasingly being strengthened in the United States and around the world. So um, I really, in, in all my years of, ex of experience with the insurance industry, more than 30 years, I don't think I've seen a time when the challenges and indeed the opportunities have ever been greater. Thanks, Dave. That's uh, quite insightful. And I agree with you as to those four pillars of opportunity and challenge. Uh, I'm going to ask you in a moment about a particular regulation that the uh, Biden administration uh, may issue through the Housing and Urban Development Department. But before I do, what do you foresee as the administration's general view of the insurance industry? We share many of the same uh, priorities um, of the Biden administration. Um, we do recognize that the climate is changing and that insurance companies have a role to play in managing and mitigating climate risk, uh, especially as it becomes more intense and more frequent in the near and longer term uh, future. So. We see um, the Biden administration um, rejoining the Paris uh, Climate Accord, um, various um, programs that they've um, <clears throat> determined that all of government approach to climate change and climate risk. We think we have a lot of value added uh, to that debate. <clears throat> we manage physical risk every day. That's what we're about. Um, and we are players in the larger political and regulatory discussions on climate risk. So we see a very broad opportunity to partner with the Biden administration, with the federal government, state and local governments, and particularly our regulators in addressing climate risks going forward. Another area we recognize is interest in the Biden administration, again, on the social justice issues. We think, again, the insurance industry has a role to play and we can be a proactive player in that. For example, we see that with some of the infrastructure proposals that are now being talked about in Washington, there's a focus on particularly vulnerable communities and how we can address mistakes made in the past that led to infrastructure failures, particularly um, in vulnerable communities. We think as investors and as providers of information, that we can find uh, common ground with the Biden administration on that um, issue as well. At the same time, however, we recognize um, and support the fact that we are primarily regulated at the state level. And, and as much as we interact with the Biden administration, our interest lies as well with interacting with our 
state regulators at the national uh, level through the NAIC, through state legislators at NCOIL, and uh, through our state regulators and legislators directly in their home states. And we see common ground with them uh, across these very same issues. So um, we firmly believe that there is um, real benefit to society at large when government and the insurance industry partner to identify risks, to mitigate those risks, and in the shorter term to manage the financial risks that are uh, presented uh, by these kinds of issues. You were very much involved during the Obama administration when HUD issued a regulation in 2013 subjecting homeowners insurance companies to scrutiny under the Fair Housing Act can you give us the background of that regulation and the legal challenges brought against it by insurance companies and insurer trade associations? Sure, let me talk at a very high level uh, about the issue. Um, the um, state regulatory system um, balances um, the need for risk-based pricing with um, the use of that pricing in an inappropriate way. And how have they done it? Well, the states virtually all have the excessive, inadequate, unfairly discriminatory standard. And then over and above that standard are specific prohibitions on basing activities on, for example, race, religion, and national origin. And in this way, state regulation has balanced both the societal need to prevent discrimination against protected classes with the need of the insurance industry to engage in risk-based pricing. Well, why is that? Well, recall that insurance is basically the transfer of risk from the policyholder to the insurer. And it makes sense that the risk being transferred should be assessed to the extent possible as accurately as possible. And then the price should reflect that transfer of risk. And so the states occupying the field, if you will, through this balance of both specific prohibitions along with the general excessive inadequate and unfairly discriminatory standard have seen the growth, um, frankly, uh, of the world's largest insurance market that is both the most consumer protective and the most financially sound and competitive. So this structure has worked over the years and should, in our view, continue to work. There are many um, <clears throat> issues with regard to the concept of disparate impact. First of all, it's not very well understood, even by policymakers. So it's very critical, we think, for people to understand what it is and what it is not. And then it's our view that it should be understood and applied, but in the context of the balance that state regulation has achieved to protect designated classes, vulnerable populations, if you will, but at the same time, allow insurers to price their product based upon risk. And in turn, that balance is something that we are interested in preserving, not only for our own interests, 
but rather for the interests of consumers and the larger insurance markets because it has worked so very well to assure solvency and to promote competition as well as provide necessary protection for vulnerable designated classes. Do you expect that the, the Biden administration and particularly uh, incoming Secretary of HUD, Marsha Fudge, will reissue the same regulation that the Obama administration issued on this subject? Um, Richard, I've learned the hard way never to predict uh, judges, juries, legislators, or regulators. So I, I don't want to ever predict um, what, um, what any one of them will do. I, I will say this, though, that our, we have fully intend to engage uh, proactively um, with um, anyone involved in this debate in the hopes of, of helping everyone understand the critical balance that has been achieved over many years in state regulation and that that balance should not be upset um, in any fundamental way. The NAIC recently established a special committee on race and insurance. And uh, I would just ask you to comment on the particular subjects that the special committee has addressed so far in the relatively short time it was established and what you foresee the special committee's agenda to be. Well, I think first and foremost, the NAIC has identified within its own ranks the need to provide great for greater diversity. And I, I think corporate America and the insurance industry realizes the same thing. We need to make sure that we have folks in our companies, in decision-making positions in our companies, who fully understand the diversity uh, that characterizes American society today so that we can better serve it in ways that are valuable to the entire population and every part of the population. And I know that we are looking um, internally and, and uh, companies are looking internally as to what we can do to better provide for the diversity that reflects American society today. And I know state regulators are doing the same thing. So. That's probably one of the, the major priorities. The second one is to um, make sure that our business practices are in compliance with existing state um, law um, on, um, on what is appropriate and not appropriate in terms of, of um, risk classification and, and other activities. So I know that we're all looking to make sure that we are not inadvertently um, doing things which, which are not consistent with the legal and regulatory standards under which we operate. And I know the NAIC and we will be engaged in that process as well. So those would be the two principal areas. And I think it's important that both the industry and state regulators be responsible to larger social trends because we both do need to remain relevant to the larger societies and the larger context in which we operate. You've talked about the special committee, 
But let me ask you more generally, what would you like to see the NAIC and state insurance regulators do about environmental and social governance issues implicating insurers, such as climate change, which you mentioned as one of the four key challenges to the industry today? Well, I think, first of all, the approach the insurance regulators are taking with regard to climate risk disclosures is a very good example of the kind of engagement that um, we think uh, will result in the very best positive outcome, not only for regulators in the industry, but for consumers in the larger society. So what do I mean by that? Well, since uh, 2010, the NAIC has had a survey composed of eight questions that is administered by about six states and um, gets about 70% uh, of the insurance industry already. They've also offered, offered an option for um, companies to use the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures Framework to report. And APCIA, of course, is made up of some companies that are using the TCFD option, as well as many companies that are reporting uh, on the eight questions. And the NAIC has gone about its work in reviewing that in a very transparent and inclusive way. They're now engaged midstream in that work with plenty of opportunities for all stakeholders to have input as they look at what are changes necessary? If so, what are the objectives of those changes? And how can we make those changes proportional? That is, avoid a one size fits all regulatory approach that might benefit some companies unfairly at the cost of others, particularly smaller companies um, who don't have the same resources to put on some of these larger, longer-term issues than some of our larger members do. So I think the approach the NAIC is taking uh, that we've seen so far on climate risk is exactly the approach that will result in uh, whatever changes are needed and changes that will, in fact, be workable in our market. And that's really one of the hallmarks that we've seen in the state regulatory system because of its transparency and because of the careful way by which they go about uh, their activities, what the NAIC and state regulators put in place tend to work and work to achieve the larger objectives, the newer objectives, but the fundamental objective of maintaining solvency and encouraging competition and innovation. So we, we think that, um, that, and we're engaged, our board has a recently approved a set of proactive and strong environmental engagement principles for, um, for APCIA representing the consensus of uh, our board and our members. And um, they um, talk about constructive engagement with regulators, a, a focus on, on voluntary activities um, and um, a, a better understanding about what will actually move the ball forward and help us better manage and mitigate climate risk. So um, I've been involved uh, deeply in that and, and ha have to say that it offers a model and how to address new and significant issues and to do so in a way that um, preserves what's good about our current system and will help us progress in advance to deal with new challenges. And we see the NAIC and our state regulators pursuing a very similar approach with regard to social justice and having regulators and the industry on the same journey 
to um, to respond uh, more effectively uh, uh, as we go forward um, in the future. Thanks, Dave. Last question. Is there a role for outside counsel who advise insurance companies and insurance producers, some of whom are members of the New York City Bar Association? Is there a role for them to play usefully in this area, in your view? Oh, sure, absolutely. I mean, our, many of our companies um, use outside counsel for, of course, litigation and claims-related purposes, and um, sometimes for um, for assistance in um, in complying with um, with new regulatory or legislative mandates. So, absolutely, there's a role to play. It's critically important to understand, however, the business necessity along with the desire to address some of these larger issues. And when we're really at our best, we find ways to evolve, uh, to respond to new consumer and social uh, objectives, um, to, to maintain our value to our, our customers and to the larger society. And, and that's a point I wanna make here. The insurance industry has never been satisfied um, with simply collecting money and paying it out in claims. But rather, we have always had a focus on what we can contribute to addressing, um, helping society identify risk, uh, address that risk, and mitigate that risk. And that's a role that we continue to play to this day, whether it be our continued work on highway safety, workplace safety. Um, and um, we can apply those same um, lessons from the past to the current challenges, whether it be climate or social justice, um, technological challenges, or the very current pandemic um, condition that we're still not out of. So uh, out of all of this experience, this engagement, this partnership, if you will, large-scale partnership between the government and the insurance industry to identify and mitigate risks, and the partnership between regulators uh, and the industry. Um, we have a very strong record of doing that in the past, and outside counsel have always played uh, a key role in the past and can, can continue to play uh, a key role in the future. Thanks very much, Dave, for all of your insights. This concludes our podcast sponsored by the Insurance Law Committee with David Snyder, Vice President of the American Property Casualty Insurance Association. I'm Richard Liskov, Senior Counsel at Aaron Fox and Lecturer at the School of Law of Boston University. And I wish you good day. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the 44th Street Podcast of the New York City Bar Association. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers and not necessarily of the City Bar. Find more City Bar podcasts and program audio on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or at our website at nycbar.org. This podcast was produced by Eric Friedman and Alex Cardaris.